Greetings, my friend. We are all interested in the future, for that is where you and I are going to spend the rest of our lives. You are interested in the unknown, the mysterious, the unexplainable. That is why you are here. Welcome to episode 250 of the AFTN podcast. I am Joe DC. My teams play 4-4 frickin' 2. <laughs> I am joined by the voice of TSS Rovers and UBC Men's Soccer, or UBC Soccer, that's my, my bad. He plays legendary difficulty on FIFA, Gideon Hill. <laughs> Thank you, Joe. And opposite him, AFTN writer and expected goals truther, Nicholas Ruprecht. Hello. So, fine sirs, if the Whitecaps game against Houston was a Disney movie, what movie would it be, Nicholas? I'm going to go with Mulan, because they got down to business. <laughs> okay, very good. Gideon? I think it, I would say Frozen, because we chilled the hot dynamo, and Robbo was singing their praises, because Frozen is a musical. Very good. <laughs> um, I would go for uh, Toy Story 3, because I also almost cried at the end of that. <laughs> Um, yeah, so I think that sums up, almost sums up the Houston game um, for us. So we're going to go through some complete the sentences games that we did. I think we did it uh, last week as well. The first sentence I want you to complete in, in regards to the Houston game is blank was the Caps best player against Houston. So blank was the Caps best player against Houston. Kendall Waston was the Caps best player against Houston. Okay. Nicholas? Yeah, I would also agree with that. You know, he taking command of the line, challenging, you know, he was, they obviously, they weren't going as much through the air near him, it seemed, but um, he did a lot of good in okay. stopping their attacks, got a lot of tackles in. Cool. I wrote uh, Felipe Senderos was the Caps' best player against Houston. <laughs> but, but, you know, you can have different, different opinions. Okay, second question or second sentence, is Stefan Marinovic is more blank than David Usted. Nick? I said cat-like. Cat-like? Cat-like. Oh, cat-like. He had some pretty good reflex saves there. Okay, good. Stefan Marinovic is more careful than David Usted. Okay, yeah, <laughs> that's good. Stefan Marinovic is more from New Zealand than David Usted, is what I wrote. <laughs> <laughs> Which is factually correct. <laughs> I think you will find... All right, uh, sentence number three. Kai Kamara is blank for Robbo. So we're looking for an adjective here. 
I didn't have an adjective. I kind of went with a sentence. Okay, go for it. I said, Kai Kamara is in a good setup for Kai Kamara. Okay. Okay, <laughs> good. I went, same with Nick. I said, Kai Kamara is all I've ever wanted in a Caps uniform. Okay, very good. I just wrote perfect for Robo, but you guys okay, were way, way better with that. Okay, Absolutely not. And uh, yeah, that was the Caps uh, 2-1 win against Houston, covered in probably the weirdest way we could ever cover a game, which is exactly what we're going for. Um, but we're, we look to the future here at uh, AFTN Studios, a.k.a. Joe's house. We're looking forward to the next game that is against Atlanta. Atlanta lost to Houston on the first day, 4-0, as like, it was the result of the weekend. We talked about that last week because we were previewing Houston. Uh, but this week, uh, they played, or this past week, they played DC United at home, and they won 3-1. They had 16 shots to DC's 8. They did, however, let Darren Maddox score, mm. which is a damning indictment of any <laughs> defense. Um, any thoughts on that game in general, gentlemen? I think Atlanta set up properly this time with an actual person who is playing a DM position, and... Now, this is going to be interesting for the Caps game for sure because the Caps like to play on the counter. And with Maddox up top, DC was playing very much on the counter. And so it'll be a real good big question of, you know, can Kamara win those second balls against that DM? Uh, I think Lorenowitz was playing DM? Yeah, he yeah. was. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I, I think, you know, Atlanta's... The tough game in Houston, I think for them, set the tone. It's the same with Toronto. They, you know, they lost in their first game against two teams that are very formidable last year. So, I think it's it's good for Atlanta to kind of kind of reshake up a little bit, change their formation. They didn't get any personnel back, but they set up as Nick said the right way to win the game. Um, and that was a good game, a fun game to watch against DC. Nice to see Maddox score as well after he changes uh, places once again, going to DC from Portland. So that was a, a good game on the weekend for them. Um, Miguel Almiron was the man of the match for Atlanta. It's easy to call him Atlanta's greatest threat, but they have so many other like mm. sticks to beat you with. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> Joseph Martinez was yeah. my prediction for top scorer in the league. Yeah, uh, same. Yeah. So, where do you see the greatest threat for the Caps, or is it more of a this this attack is so balanced situation that we can't really pinpoint one person? Yeah, I think they're. I would say they're very balanced and, you know, they're they're going to play their game. You know, they're driving tempo. They're going to drive at you. They're going to possess the ball. They're going to want to break you down. And they'll and they have, you know, excellent wingers. And Almiron is fantastic. You know, he came in last year and I think he set the bar for, mm-hmm. you know, what a new signing can be in the MLS. Even though he's on another team, it's exciting to see this kind of player playing here. So yeah. what you're saying is, even if he scores a hat trick, you'll be you'll still like him against. I him. I you know there's nothing there's you know if that guy can score a hat trick, more power to him. <laughs> okay, uh, Gideon. Yeah, as we talked about you know before Atlanta, or we're going to talk about it as well. I should say, but you know Atlanta's not no longer a one horse team. They are a five horse horse strawn carriage, whatever you want to call them. Mm-hmm. They're a team with Darlington Nagby in the mix this year that can do so many things. To break you down, it's it's incredible how they how they move the ball around. They move it side to side. They'll bring it up to the center backs. They'll play a ball over the top and let Garza or whoever Gressel Vialbo run onto it. It's mm-hmm. it's fascinating to watch. It's scary to defend against. And I think the Caps will have a little bit of difficulty with that without De Jong. 
again, but they're, they're a good team to watch. They're a solid team, and they have so many different dim- dimensions to that attack that it's going to be an interesting game for sure. Um, they, they only had 53% possession against DC. They had more possession the week before when they lost the game. But it's how they use it, though. That's, yeah, exactly. Yeah. I, I was looking at the, the passing patterns um, for the Atlanta team, and the most common like sequence for them was passing from the right winger back to the, the left center back to the center center back, and then all the way along to the other winger. Mm-hmm. That kind of probing play that we associate with like Barcelona and that kind of thing, which makes sense because they have an ex-Barcelona coach on the team. Do you think the Caps have... like Their, their away game character is built around playing... Like deep, deep. Yeah. isn't that like the perfect kind of the good attacking team versus the good defending team and or unstoppable force versus immovable object situation? I yeah, I think Atlanta, as good as they are switching the play, any team in MLS is good. It's just the way Atlanta does it is what scares you. They're faster. They have more accurate passers than mm. some other teams in the league that might try that. So in that sense, I think Whitecaps seem to be a little bit scared and hesitant mm-hmm. about that, but. They do have pacey player, more pacey players in the past, so I think that'll play into Atlanta's or in the Whitecaps' hands a little bit more. Mm-hmm. I think that's the thing with Atlanta; they just have quality all over the field. Whether it's MLS veterans that they have, or it's the new signings that they have. I think they also had Rookie of the Year last year as yeah, well, Julian Russell. And I think last game he played at wing back, right wing, right, right wing. wing. Right we'll wing. talk about the yeah, formation yeah. in a second because it's very interesting. Yeah, but so. And he, you know, it's just there's this intelligence all across the field and they know when, I think maybe that first game was just feeling it out, Yeah. you know, and that loss against Houston is just like a blip. Okay. Um, You mentioned the formation there. Gideon and I were discussing this earlier. It's not really wing backs that they play with. It's wing or wide midfielders, right? Yeah. So they play a three at the back with five midfielders just flat across the middle and... Like you don't associate those wide players with classical like wing back, you know, roles on the team, right? Yeah. They're more attacking than they are defending. Sending. And then yeah. they have the two up front, which is great because they need penetrating runs to do their game plan. Do you think that's first of all, do you think the caps should match the formation? We'll discuss that a little bit more, but just a yes and no answer for now. Mm. Do you think the caps should match a three at the back formation? I'm gonna say no. No. Okay. I, no. And we'll we'll discuss the details of that in, in the next part, but if the Caps don't do that, then there's some advantages they could mm-hmm. look for mm-hmm. by outnumbering the... Overloading, yeah. Exactly. And I think we'll... I, I've identified Alfonso Davies as possibly the person who could be the one to carry out whatever attacking game plan that Robbo has. And we'll, we'll go into detail about that a little bit more. Just a couple of interesting stats that kind of might stand out for our listeners to better understand Atlanta, not like they need any more coverage from the MLS, but... Um, <laughs> Almiron was their most advanced player on the average position charts, which is surprising because you'd think Joseph Martinez would be the one a bit more forward. Um, he had seven shots just by himself, which is almost as almost more than DC had as a team, just one short of what DC had as a team. And 56% of their shots were from outside the box. So I know we talk about their penetrating passes, but they, they're not afraid to take a crack from distance. No, and, and what you mentioned about Almiron there is that when I watch Atlanta play, I do often see quite a bit Vialba and Martinez dropping back into deeper positions, lying Almiron drifting in from wide, out wide to the, the middle mm-hmm. of the pitch. And that's why they take shots from so far, is because they have Martinez and Vialba able to take those from outside the box as well as Almiron. A quick word on, on Tata Martino. Like, I think Nick last week said that he, he kind of 
is the first type of manager that has kind of raised the game of the rest of the managers, or at least maybe exposed some of the managers as not mm-hmm. doing as good of a job as they could be. Do you think that his team has have evolved, or has his style evolved a little to MLS, or has he been more rigid and just been playing the game his way? I, I, my feeling is that he came in because he was be, been given the support from Atlanta United from the very beginning. You know, this is the system that we want to implement, and we're willing to work with you to get that system to wherever it is. You know, it didn't seem that their front office was in any way saying you have to sign this guy or this person because they're available. We're willing to be patient and wait for the people that you think you need. And then we'll go out there and get them. And I think that, you know, you can look at how they've done their uh, off-season acquisitions mm-hmm. and things like that. And I think it's a deep systemic thing. Like, this is the way we want to play. Possession-based, front foot, attacking kind of soccer. I think I don't think he changed or kind of implemented a st- different style from compared to his days in Argentina and Barcelona because of the fact he still has that attacking game he had those players at Barcelona. He had the personnel at Barcelona when he played that style of passing possession play. But the reason he's doing so well is because he has the personnel to do it. And MLS, if you're a different team or you're a team that's been in the game for a while, you might not have that available to you. But the reason he's doing so well is because he has the right players to fit in that formation and that know how to play his certain style of play. Yeah, I, I agree with, with all of that. That's why I think Atlanta will probably stick with the formation that worked for them last week. The three-five-two. I don't see any variation of that. I think the Caps have developed a reputation as a counter-attacking team at this point. So it'll be interesting to see what kind of strategies that Tata like conjures just for for the Caps, because you know we do have a good counter-attack, and mm-hmm. as we said before, in Kai Kamara, we have the perfect person to carry out those counter-attacks. Yeah. And wing. also, though, you know, if if they're playing higher up the field on the wings, there's going to be tons of space there. Yeah. Right. Yeah, and we'll discuss that in the next part. But first, it's time for Do You Know Who I Am? So, gentlemen... Do you know who I am this week? Uh, I'll just remind you what's hap- what happened last week. Uh, Nick got Lee Win, um, <laughs> even though he didn't pronounce the name right. Still, <laughs> still, still counts. <laughs> it still counts. Uh, so the season standings right now is one-one. So exciting! It's not a it's not a walkover in any way. This week it's a little bit trickier, in my opinion. I have so much fun researching these. Like, I bet you do, Joe. I have so, so much fun. It's and highlight of my you week. Have, you have a lot of time to devote to it. Absolutely. <laughs> okay, so clue number one. Don't forget to say stop. Stop. Gotcha. Are you going to take a guess now? No. You said stop? Okay. Um, clue one. I was born on December 4th, 1988 in Shelby Town Charter Township, Michigan. Mm-hmm. I, got I can say the town name again if you want, but I don't think it'll help. <laughs> okay, clue number two. I am the only current MLS player to be capped by Iraq. Stop. Justin Mirren. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Oh. yeah. 
I have so many more clues. Can you... Read them, read them, read them. <laughs> we want to learn about Justin really Miro. I should have put that one later. I'm still learning. Sorry. Okay. Anyway, <laughs> okay, the next clue was I was drafted in the first round by a 2011 uh, Eastern Conference team. Gideon, you know that, yeah. Um, I was traded for uh, $1.05 million do- in allocation money and an international spot in the last offseason. I am listed as a forward. I, s- I remember him playing midfield in the yeah, playoffs. Yeah, left, left mid. Yeah, mm-hmm. but yeah. he... Like, forward implies winger, doesn't it? Yeah. Depends. Okay, All right. that, that might be an interpretation thing. Um, I'm lost, I lost in the Eastern Conference Final while playing for Columbus. I now play for Orlando. I am Justin Miriam, and that was this week's Do You Know Who I Am? Hi, I'm Carl Robinson. Uh, you're listening to the AFTN podcast. Congratulations, Gideon. The season standing is now 2-1 um, to Gideon. Uh, Nick, if you don't want to get sacked, I suggest you study a bit. <laughs> okay, we're, okay, we're going to spend this uh, third part discussing what everyone really cares about. It's how the Whitecaps are going to approach this Atlanta game. Um, last season, it was a pretty good game, right? The Whitecaps won 3-2. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It was very exciting. Um yeah, yeah. Um, we just we discussed earlier that we think the Caps should stick with the with the four one four one if that's what we're going to call it. Uh, I think I forget who was uh, covering the the game last week. They called it a four three three, but I think it was a four one four one myself. That do you th- what benefits do you see that formation against the um, Atlanta three five two? Mm. Any numerical advantages we can get, or well, do you think the midfield will be overrun? That's a big big deal when dealing with Atlanta. Yeah, I think. You know, if they're going to be pushing up, um, you know, their outside wingers as high and leaving that space, you know, it would be good to match them with five, you know, and having that D mid there can help out a lot. Yeah, I think it'll be an interesting thing. I don't anticipate them switching uh, too much, but we definitely need to use that, that's, that space on the wings. Yeah, I think probably from what I'm, I've, garnered from the first two games of the year is that I don't mind seeing Russell Tybert sitting alone in that position. However, with the way that Atlanta set up the 3-5-2 in the weekend, I would like to see Juarez beside him. And again, we can get to that, but I, I would like to see Tybert and Juarez sitting in that two spot instead of the one by himself. Okay. And it's a 3-5-2 for Atlanta, so they have three central midfielders who we know like to run beyond the forwards in many occasions. Are you worried about like tracking those runs at all with the Whitecaps lineup? Like, who do you think should be the one to track those runs? Like, Tybert's he's very fit, but is he fast? I think for me right now, I'm, I'm thinking Tybert is going to probably stick to Darlington Nagby, and I think Juarez is going to try and take Miguel Amarone. Okay. They also, from what I'm thinking, they will have probably Felipe in there thrown into the mix somewhere, so I think he'll play a factor in that because he is a little bit defensive minded as well. Um, so yeah, we'll go through the protected lineups, but I think it will be Juarez and Tybert just protecting because Tybert's played against Nagby before with Portland. Right? He's he's man marked him before. He's watched him closely in years previous in those good Cascade games. So I think Tybert knows his style of play and he's adapted to that. And I think that'll play into the hands of the Whitecaps very well. Okay, we've talked about do you, we thought we talked about do you think that the Caps will switch to three at the back? Gareth Wolf asked, do you how do you think we 
if we had to set it up, do you think we would set it up at three at the back, or is it too fast of a transition? I don't think for the for having two wins on the season going yeah. into a tough environment is the game to do it. Yeah, yeah. I mean, if we didn't have the personnel, or we if you had mm. Henry back, maybe. But I think right now, if you already have those wins on the on the once in the road, once at home, you don't see a reason to change because you don't have injuries to your center backs. I don't see a need to to switch. Okay. Yeah. Same. I mean, and the other thing as well is historically. They've never looked really good playing three at the back mm-hmm. ever. I mean, you know, it just doesn't it doesn't seem to be something that is in this team's tool set or yeah. ethos. I remember when they tried it in New York Red Bull last year. Yeah, in Chicago the snow game too. Yeah, that was a disaster. Yeah, yeah. So RSL was it RSL. RSL? Like, yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah, that was the one where someone threw a snowball yeah. at yeah. Christian <laughs> yeah. Dean, right? Yeah, yeah. I remember that. Uh, do we stick with Iron Mon back there? We asked the same question last week. But. Yes. Yes. Okay. Absolutely. He's building chemistry, and you know he actually played quite well. Yeah. In that last game, he won more. I think he won more aerials than Waston did, but possibly. I, I think he won four or something like that. So, but I mean, it could be that. Well, you don't want to send aerial balls towards Waston, so send them towards. Well, we, we're not worried about that with Atlanta, though, are we? No, they're mm-hmm. way more no. Of a yeah. Ball yeah. Team. Yeah. Uh, Jonathan asks, "Who will slash should we see at left back?" It's so one of the big questions for this so, game. Theoretically, I think we're going to see Sean Franklin slide in there. Okay. But what I want to see is Alfonso Davies playing with Breck Shea on the left side. But I think what Robbo was probably thinking with experience, Sean Franklin will probably slide in there left back. It's a tough game to throw Davies in there for a game against Atlanta. Okay. Yeah, yeah. I think Atlanta wingers would probably have a field day with Davies if he was there because of the lack of experience. And I think yeah. that was shown in the Houston game where he got burned a couple times because he stepped forward a little bit too much and he wasn't in line with the rest of the defense either. Mm-hmm. Um, so he definitely wasn't on the same wavelength and I don't think he has the necessary time put in at that position to be effective in this game. Okay. I, I think a combination of... Breck Shea and Alfonso Davies could do the trick, especially if they like switch switch in and out yeah. of that role. Yeah, um, I, I can see that happening. Yeah, because Franklin, it's a big game to put him in for his first professional game as, or first uh, game as a white cap. You know, it's yeah. not his first professional game by far. <laughs> um, I don't know. I think I would like to see Davies there because yeah, he didn't do anything wrong last no, week. There, you know? there, and there's that side of things as well, but I just think. And Albert Elise is as big a test you can come up against mm-hmm. in yeah. in the MLS, right? Okay, we've talked about like the Caps midfield, and we talked about Aaron Mond as well. Left back, we so Gideon thinks Franklin. I'm hoping for Davies and Nick too. I I, I would say you know I would think Franklin makes the most sense because out of all of the unless. You want to put Juarez back there? I don't know. But At left back? Yeah, I don't know. Okay. You know, I mean, because we're we don't really have that many options yeah. in terms of depth there. But it yeah. would be an interesting thing to put him back there because, yes, he's more of a, a right back, but he also has experience. Okay. You know, um, Jay Duke asked uh, number one. Only two games in, but who has been the best midfielder for the Whitecaps? For him, it's Russell Tybert. Hmm. I'm going to go Tybert, too, I think. He's the only one that's really stood, stood out enough for me. Yeah, I think Juarez has been what we expected him to be, a solid, steady guy. And there, it's not... We weren't coming in with, you know, low expectations of he's a solid player. We know we've seen him play with Mexico and Monterey. 
we knew that was going to be his role. And Tybert, I've been quite impressed with that. I've been surprised because I know he had that in him, but I'm just very impressed with him. And I think for sure Tybert has been our best midfielder so far this year. Yeah, I mean, he hasn't done anything to lose the position. He hasn't screwed up. So yeah, keep on keeping on. Well, the second part of his question is, does Tybert deserve to start the next match, even if Much and Felipe are up to speed? I don't think, we discussed this last week, I don't think Felipe is the one that would take Tybert's spot. No, no, um, it would be Gazelle. Yeah. Um, but Much... Box, he just calls himself a box box midfielder. We saw him for a few minutes against uh, Houston. I still think Tybert has earned his right to start. Any yeah. any disagreement there? And I, I don't disagree with that. And I didn't really see much from him. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> oh, that was so bad. <laughs> but, you know, like he came on and he didn't really have... He didn't seem very settled. He didn't have that many touches. Yeah, There wasn't anything very boxed maybe it was his instructions he was given but it, didn't it was the last few minutes he was, it was closing yeah. down he was yeah. fresh legs you know you could put any any midfielder there they would do the same thing i think we didn't learn much for that much my god yeah, yeah. it's so hard to avoid those puns. <laughs> okay uh, jay's last question is does reina need to be sat or play him through this poor form he was played out of position to be fair and and the right side of the of the midfield. midfield i think it wouldn't be the worst thing if he sat out a game no, I was I I lost some sleep over this last night. Not gonna lie, that I think Breck Shea will probably I think come in for this game just because he's a little bit more defensively responsible. Also, he's played on the right wing before with us and Orlando as well a little bit. So I think Shea will probably take up Reina's spot if if we had to take Reina out. I don't see Tachera coming back in there okay. um, after sitting against Houston. So Tachera would be more the style that. You know, he's more... The ball will be on the ground a lot. It'd yeah, a good game for Tajira. You did talk about, like, the rogue game. Yeah, game that's thing, true. Right? So. It's the style of play. Yeah. Um, Nick, sit him or play him through proof or... Um, I mean, I wouldn't mind, instead of having uh, Reina there, uh, Felipe. Okay. You, know, you could also... I know start. Parkhurst is a little bit older, so you could also run run Davies at Parkhurst a little bit once... Parker's is a little bit tired yeah. late on the second half. Bring on Reyna, maybe try and get something going. If you had to pick a kind of plan of attack, we've seen various plans of attack by Robo in the last few years. It's like uh, all in on set pieces or mm-hmm. the more counter-attacking style. What what would you go for? My I myself um, have this idea of if you can free Davies from the midfield, like and play play the ball like either onto him as he runs at the back line or let him dribble through to get to the back line and create, you know, um, a situation where he can link with Kamara while mm-hmm. they're running at that three-man defense or hopefully the defense is stretched so it's a two-on-two yeah, or something. Yeah, yeah. Like, that would be the way forward. Apart from that, it's all long balls and set pieces. Yeah. So I think as far as a plan of attack goes, it's freeing up Davies to the point where he can mm-hmm. make those runs. Yeah, I would I would 100% agree with that. But I would also add to that, you know, Breck Shea, showed what he could do yeah. as well yeah. in the last and game. And Kamara's link-up play is going to be so crucial mm-hmm. for, for that as well. I, I think really the key is going to be stretching that three-man back line, getting one of those central defenders in an awkward position mm-hmm. and forcing them to defend one-on-one against any of our pacey wingers. Um, because, like you said, you know if, if it becomes that, they're going to have to shift over and then Kamara can slip in. There'll be other options, hopefully other runners as well, and our forwards are not isolated. Um, that's my only worry, is we're going to be sitting back so deep, because Atlanta would like to pin us in our own yeah. zone. Um, the Caps are one of the best teams in the league at scrambling, too, though. 
you know, mm. like the last ditch <clears throat> defending. Yeah, there was like three or four in the last game. I feel. Yeah, it's how Washington makes his living, right? It's like yeah. He's on the perfect team for that. Um, <laughs> okay, Gideon, attack plan, set pieces, or anything different? Yeah, I think set pieces is where you're going to find your your bread and butter. Is because you're not going to get a whole lot of chances through open play because Atlanta is a, a strong, heavily midfielded team. Uh, they have Garza that likes to track back and, and kind of save crosses from coming in. So I think if you have to, to choose something, maybe set pieces for sure because you know, you're not going to get many in the game and you're not going to get many op- opportunities to open play, as I mentioned. Before we finish up this part, let's go through what we think the lineup will be. I think we've been actually been pretty good at predicting the lineup in the last last couple yeah. of weeks, so maybe Robbo's listening in. Um, <laughs> in goal, Brian Rowe. I mean, sorry, Moranovic. <laughs> uh, yeah, Put Ste- him in. Ste- Put him in. Stefan Moranovic, no, no arguments no there. No arguments there. I'll stop fantastic. asking if there's any arguments. We can just skip him from week to week, right? Because it's, we, he's, he's the starting keeper. Left back. I'm going to go Davies. Mm. Or Davies slash Brickshay because they're gonna change. That's my idea. Mm, I I would I would say Franklin. Okay. I think Franklin. Franklin. Okay. All right. Uh, center back Waston and Mond. Yes. Yeah. Good. Um, right back I put Franklin. That mean, and they mm. left out Nerwinski. Interesting. Yeah. Not mm. sure why I did that, but okay. <laughs> um, yeah. Yeah, I think I it'll put, be Franklin. There. I would put Nerwinski in there. Okay, yeah. He hasn't done anything. It's a good game for him as well to to get at the the Atlanta. Yeah. True. Yeah. But. He has not been getting forward as much. Is it just the teams that we've been playing? Because I, I know he had instructions in the first game to stay back against yeah. Montreal. And in the second game, he only had one cross. You know, mm-hmm. I guess it was away at... Uh, it was a away game Houston. and, you know, there's not he's they're not getting forward as much because, you know, like we've been saying, the Whitecaps have their style. Yeah. They, they no, play to there's their no style. second season slump that you guys see for Renewinski yet? No, not yet. Not I think yet. He's played... Solid left backs on that side that have shut him down. To be honest with you, yeah. Beasley's an incredible player yeah. mm-hmm. at defending. Mm-hmm. And I, I didn't appreciate Mark Beasley until I saw him. Like I, I know he's a great player historically. <laughs> like I've seen him play for the states and stuff like that. But like he's so intelligent with mm-hmm. his movement mm-hmm. and like free. Like the goal that they scored, he kind of freed up um, Elise to yeah. to do his thing. I, I thought it was just some very enjoyable watching. Okay, um, defensive mid. Tybert? Yeah, Tybert, for sure. Yeah, okay. Uh, left wing, I have Brekshay. Hmm. Yeah, I, I would agree with... I could agree with that one. Okay, yeah. Gideon? Yeah, I think it's... where I'm going to say a 4-2, so I'm going to go with Tybert okay. and Juarez. And if okay. left mid, I'd put uh, Alfonso Davies. Okay, because you have Franklin behind him. Yes. Okay, um, let's, let's cover the rest of the midfield then. So you think it's going to be a 2. So um, in my 4-1-4-1, Juarez is in front of Tybert. Uh, Nick, any disagreement? No. Okay. Um, and I think Felipe will be the third in the midfield. Yeah. Whichever yeah. way you organize them, is if it's two back or yeah. two, two forward. Um, I thought he did pretty well last week, actually, Felipe. It takes time to settle, but I think he's looking good. And he looks, he looks really good in the uniform. It's good for marketing. Um, <laughs> uh, right wing. Sure. Right wing. Shea. On the right. On the right. Okay. Nicholas? Or, or Davies. Yeah, but, I, yeah, I would okay. like to see Davies. On, on the right. Okay. Our, our lineups kind of diverge, so I'm kind of losing track of it. We have to I, disagree sometimes. We have yeah, to be yeah. honest. <laughs> but, but, okay. <laughs> but Joe uh, had his plan. Yeah. I actually put Reyna on the right wing. I, did, I, I, did I write this? <laughs> I'm not quite sure. <laughs> okay. I, yeah, I could still, I could see him not getting sat. Uh, like, Robbo isn't, he isn't uh, 
impulsive manager, right? He doesn't. No, but I just I, I, I stylistically, I think it would be good if we got maybe Tachera or someone else in there. Um, yeah, uh, up front, Kaikamara. Yeah, cool. for sure. Yes, good. Um, so that's what we think the lineups will be. Uh, we finish the show with what we do every week. It's our prediction game. Actually, before we do our prediction game, we have some questions. Thank you so much to everybody who got in touch with the questions. We've we've uh, really enjoyed uh, pondering these before we record, and hopefully we can give some interesting answers. Um, Rituro has asked us two questions. The first one is in regard to a team that we haven't really uh, discussed yet. It's uh, the Galaxy. How do you guys think the Galaxy have been doing? How have they looked? His specific question is, has anything the Galaxy have done after two matches scared you? Not really. Not really, right? No. Yeah, I mean, I haven't been following them very closely, so I can't say too much. But judging from mm-hmm. how they've been doing, it's not like they're... The only thing I can remember from anything the Galaxy have done is Ola Kamara's really bad miss, where mm-hmm. he had an open goal and kicked it into the goalie's <laughs> face. That's all I can honestly remember. I watched the highlights last week, but... Uh, I think I the, think they've improved from last year, yeah. for sure. So his second part of his question is, do you have any reason whatsoever to fear this Galaxy team, or are they the same? Tame, are they as tame as the tire fire that they were last season? I don't think they're yeah. still a yeah. tire fire, but I don't think they're anywhere close to being that team Landon that the Donovan Bobcats, level. Yeah, of like, like the team that the Caps always feared and like could never get any points away side. against. Yeah, um, that's that's my take. Anything to add to that, Gideon? Yeah, I think from years past, I, I only get scared with LA when they thump a team five or four nil at home, just because that's yeah. when you know they're they're firing all cylinders, they're scoring goals, they're shutting out um, other teams. I don't think they're convincing yet. I mean, they have, you look at their starting 11, there's a player in every position that you can be generally scared of. Yeah. So I think in that sense, they, they have improved that they've gotten a full 11 team. They haven't just been top heavy this year. They're more of a defensive uh, and offensive minded team. And I think in that sense, they haven't changed a whole lot, but I mean, their start to the year has been good. One, one win, one loss, I believe. So yeah, I'm looking forward to seeing them in a couple weeks. And yeah. those, those Ibrahimovic rumors won't go away. No. no. Well, <laughs> I saw a tweet yesterday. I don't know who put it out, but but then is that even good? You know, I yeah, think that, if Ibrahimovic yeah. and Waston ran into each other, it's like Yikes. the Big Bang. <laughs> yeah. So it was as someone said that since Man U lost, that Ibrahimovic is going to be here from time for next week's game against <laughs> as a joke, obviously. But I mean, it's it's it could happen very yeah. well. That's the next home game that the Caps have, and we will preview it next week. The second question that Retiro asked uh, is a football manager question, which. We're going to have so much fun with. Um, scenario, you're building a football manager squad for a lower league French team. Mm-hmm. What two attributes are must-haves for your midfield? Yeah, Nicholas, so, take so, it and run. <laughs> so one of them that I would think is always um, overlooked is like, especially in the lower levels, is like mental attributes. You know, you can get a guy that has 13 or 14 vision and he oh. can just be... For those knocking of, balls around. For yeah. those of you who don't know, in, in Football Manager, attributes are rated out of 20 for some reason. And so 13 vision is like, okay. <laughs> but in lower league French football, it's pretty much golden. It's right? pretty much golden. Yeah. yeah, I would say like looking at mental attributes is pretty good. Like I would say vision and first touch yeah. for sure. I, I would like to have, I like to have midfielders with good okay. first touch. I'm going to go with uh, pace is always good to have. Pace right? is Pace is just cheese, though. <laughs> exactly. If, well, if you play long balls like I do, then you need pace all day long. And strength is... When I played lower league in in, uh, 
in England, its strength obviously was important. And mm-hmm. stylistically, France and England aren't too different. Um, in other news, I won the Champions League today with West Ham. Oh, congratulations, so, uh, yeah, Joe! Thank you very congratulations. Much. <laughs> you can send your fan mail to. I'll tell. I'll give you my Twitter handle later. Okay, <laughs> the last part of our prediction show is uh, a feature that we have. It's our prediction game. So let's recap last week. Uh, Nick said in the game against Houston, Kamara would have three shots. Uh, he ended up having two shots. Nick came so close with almost every one. Not this one. No. <laughs> yeah. The next one was not very close. Um, Vancouver will concede five corners. They actually conceded 15. Yeah, that was... That was not close. And then Morenovic would make five saves, was Nick's prediction. He made six saves. So you cut it pretty close. Cutting, cutting close. Um, Gideon said that Vancouver would have uh, 40 to 50% possession. They did not. I didn't write down what the actual possession number was. Um, he said that Davies would come off before the 80th minute. That might have been true if De Jong didn't go yeah. off. So that didn't happen either. He said that Nerwinski would have three crosses and he only had one cross. And the only shining light in this uh, <laughs> in this game was uh, one of my predictions. Mosquito will come on, come on as a sub. That didn't happen. Elise will have three shots on goal. He had seven, <laughs> which is a lot more. The Caps will score from a set piece. Kai Kamara got a penalty, which counts as a set piece. So one point for me. That's suspicious. That's suspicious. <laughs> it is a set play. <laughs> so the season standings are uh, Joe on three, uh, Gideon on two, and Nick in the relegation zero. zone on zero. I, uh, I enjoy the relegation zone. I the relegation battle. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, gentlemen, let's get your predictions for this week down, and uh, we can finish up the show. Gideon. White Caps give up a goal on the counter-attack. Okay, Caps give up a goal. So wait, the Caps are counter-attacked? Yeah, the Caps are counter-attacked. They They get three yellow cards. The Caps get three yellows? Yes, and Stefan Marinovic makes six saves. Okay. Nicholas? All right. I think uh, Felipe will have one key pass. Felipe, you wow, love a key pass. I love a key pass. <laughs> <laughs> okay. I think the Whitecaps will be caught offside three times. Okay. And I believe the Whitecaps will also give away a PK. Oh. I believe that we are, we are a little bit overdue, I think, for giving away a PK. So okay. It's coming in this game. Okay. My three predictions are no goal for Kai Kamara. Which is, might be a that's cheesy. That's a cheesy one. <laughs> I didn't realize how bad that was. <laughs> but he's cheesy. our leading goal scorer with one or two goals. Yeah. So I think that's a fair. It's a fair assumption. Okay. Uh, Tybert will get a yellow card and Almiron will get an assist. Those are my three Ooh, predictions. Only way in our predictions is yeah. Sure. You mm-hmm. see, when you're going for championships, like I am, Gideon, <laughs> points on the board. It's all about points, points on, on the, the board. board. You can say Morenovic won't score a goal. I won't stop you. I will stop you. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, very then good. Then he scores a goal. Uh, thank you very much for <laughs> thank you very much for listening to uh, this week's AFTN podcast, the preview show for Atlanta away. Um, if you have any questions, feel free to get in touch with us. Uh, let's let everybody know where they can find you. Uh, Space Age Robot fifty six and Gideon at Gideon Hill eighteen on Twitter, and you can find me at Joe DC Van. Thank you very much for listening and enjoy the game. When you're listening in some far-flung corner of the globe to the world service of a Saturday afternoon, crackly reception, interference, cosy, marvellous. Somehow comforting, isn't it? You know, legendary names, fathers and sons on the terraces, cheesy peas at half-time, pipe for dad, mum's at home making the tea. Ah, everything's all right with the world, isn't it? Saturday afternoon is football. Hmm?